Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we expand our pop culture horizons by exploring movies, music, television, and books that are new to us. I'm Sam. And I'm Tessa. Today, we're here to talk about the Grammys. Think about this episode as a radio show with no music. In other words, today we're MTV. But um, But what we do have are recordings from three of our regulars, Jarrett, Ryan, and Melissa, to talk us through some of their favorite categories. But Tessa, before we get started, do the Grammys matter? No. <laughs> Why not? Why ever not? Uh, I mean, I think we'll talk about this a little bit as we go along, but like the Grammys of all the award shows, I feel like matters the least. Because people don't really pay attention to them. It's kind of more like, and I think musicians genuinely hate them. Like there are some musicians that are just like, why? What what is this? What is this and why are we part of it? Like the rules are obscure. It's hard to get hyped for anything. It's so long. And they either look at people who are so old that like it's hard to kind of like get excited about the new music or they snub people who should have gotten a Grammy a long time ago. Also, Grammys are really white. So it's it is definitely not an award show that matters in any sense of the word. I don't think it in any way impacts the way that music is made. So multiple Grammy Award winning musician Eddie Vedder once said in 1996 when accepting the Grammy Award for Best Hard Rock Music with the rest of his band Pearl Jam said, I don't know what this means. Do you know what this means? Because I don't. No. In fact, I looked at the selection criteria because I was like, oh, I'm going to get all the rules on what can be nominated and what can't be. 50% new music for albums and the selection criteria was from October 1st, 2021 to September 30th, 2022. Got it? Yeah, sure. Okay. So <laughs> before we start to talk about the music, I the reason that I wanted to do this episode was that it gives us basically the ability to make a mixtape and explore a lot of music that we haven't heard before. A mixtape without music on the episode. How are you going to pull that off, Sam? Well, my friend, if you look at the show notes for this very episode, you'll see the link to both an Apple Music and a Spotify playlist that has all the stuff we talked about today. So, you Hooray! know, it could be a, a podcast with music if you pause it a lot. <laughs> Just jump back and forth, have the playlist pulled up, have this uh, audio pulled up and just like pause at appropriate times. Go listen to that side of the playlist and come back. It'll take you like five hours, but that's about as long as the Grammys go anyway. Spend a whole day with Sam and Tessa, said nobody ever. (laughs) You know, except for everybody who's recorded five hour episodes of Monkey Off My Backlog with us. Well, and you know, Elise did come down here for a whole weekend, so she made that decision. We haven't heard what she said about it, though. (laughs) Anyway, one other matter to talk about before we get to the awards and the nominees and the blah, blah, blah without the music, which you can play on your own once again. We have to talk about the Beyonce of it all. All right. So this Grammy ceremony is probably best known for Beyonce not winning. Now, Spike Lee has called that shenanigans. A lot of people have called that shenanigans. A lot of people have called it shenanigans. Can I can I tell you can I give you can I give you a couple facts Tessa? Yes, please. Beyonce and Jay-Z have 88 nominations apiece. 176 
nominations in the Carter family. Actually, I think Blue Ivy's been nominated once, so it's 177. <laughs> Watch out for Blue Ivy. She's going places. Now, I, I also want to give you one other piece of information that I think you can read in either direction. We'll tell you this piece of information. We'll, we'll tell you pretty much everything you need to know about this particular controversy or lack thereof. Are you ready? Yep. Oh, I'm not sure I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> Best dance recording, Break My Soul. Best dance electronica album, Renaissance. Best traditional R&B performance, Plastic Off the Sofa. Best R&B song, Cuff It. Best traditional R&B performance, Black Parade. Best rap performance, Savage. Best rap song, Savage. Best music video, Brown Skin Girl. Best music video, Long Form, Homecoming. Best urban contemporary album, Everything is Love. Best rap collaboration, Family Feud. Best urban contemporary album, Lemonade. Best music video, Formation. Best R&B performance, Drunken Love. Best R&B song, Drunken Love. Best surround sound album, Beyonce. Best traditional R&B performance, Love on Top. Best song of the year, Single Ladies. Best female pop vocal, Halo. Best female R&B vocal performance, Single Ladies. Best traditional R&B performance, At Last. Best R&B song, Single Ladies. Best contemporary R&B album, I Am Sasha Fierce. Best Contemporary R&B Album, B-Day. Best R&B Performance by a Group or Duo, So Amazing. Best Female R&B Vocal Performance, Dangerously in Love 2. Best R&B Performance by a Group or Duo, The Closest I, Closer I Get to You. Best R&B Song, Crazy in Love. Best Contemporary R&B Album, Dangerously in Love. Best Rap Song Collaboration, Crazy in Love. Best R&B Performance by a Group or Duo, Survivor. Best R&B performance by a group or duo, Say My Name. Best R&B song, Say My Name. Beyonce is the winningest artist in the history of the Grammy Awards. How can that possibly be a snub, Tessa? Because she's never won Best Album. She's won lots of, lots of Best R&B albums. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, I don't want to denigrate, like, these categories because obviously, like, these categories exist for a reason and we want to celebrate all types of music. But, like... R&B has a reputation of being the black music. She can win best R&B or she can right. win best dance hall album, but she can't win best album. And the fact that Beyonce is so fucking popular, she's so fucking good at her craft. Like she's constantly and consistently putting out good work. Like there's absolutely no reason that she shouldn't have like at least two or three of these by now. And right. the only way I can describe it, especially when you look at who does win, is anti-blackness. Okay. Beyonce has won best song. She won it for single ladies. That's one, right? One one of the best categories. So it's not nothing. There are artists who have won none of them. Right. Right. Alison Krauss, the previous winningest artist, is also a genre artist over in country. So there's there's something interesting about that. About the the people with the most nominations being genre like genre artists. people yeah right i think there i think that's interesting i also think about the fact that and we talk about this with award shows we talk about it with reality shows judging should not be based on cumulative right the fact that beyonce hasn't won this many times before should have had no effect well clearly on, it didn't well well <laughs> unless it did i mean it, that's the thing. It shouldn't have. And as you said, maybe it didn't because she didn't win. I'm like, or maybe it did because the same racists are, are voting. Right. That's true. Like, there's really no way. Of, the point is, you can put in all the information up about Beyonce you want, and you can come to either conclusion. It's not that Beyonce has lost this many times. 
one could say. It's about the fact that this many other people have won all of these years. Right. Basically, what you want to say is, this year, for example, should Harry Styles have won over Beyonce? No. No. Why did Harry Styles win over Beyonce? And we can speculate, but we'll never know. Why did Green Book win the Oscar? We can speculate. <laughs> I mean, we can say that I it was... Have, I think it it's was, for very similar reasons. It was neoliberal black guilt that yes. let a white person win an award. What's interesting to me about, and this is the dark side of award shows, the thing that we can really rail against the most is that the voting process is oblique. There really is no way to know why something has happened. So it leaves us to speculate. Beyonce has lost because every year she was nominated, people genuinely thought another album was better. Or there's a bunch of racists in the Academy. Guess which one I'm probably leaning towards. I mean, I got to figure it's both the racists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's the thing. Like, I didn't look up all the awards. I obviously looked up all the wins, but I didn't look up all the times she lost. It would take too long. It would. Uh, but the thing is, it's easy for us to say that that at least Beyonce was better than Harry Styles in terms of the album that yes. came out this year. I can't tell you I would have voted for Beyonce for all of these albums. I can't tell you for sure. I might have voted for Bad Bunny. Does that make me a bad person? No, because I think if Bad Bunny had won, people wouldn't be as upset about it as they are this year. That's See, that that's interesting. It's a really good point. I mean, I think that you do. It is hard to parse all of these things. But the truth of the matter is, considering who Beyonce is and considering the impact she's had on music, it is criminal. She's never won this award. But on the bright side, if we want a note of joy in this Grammy season. Viola Davis did EGOT. That's true. She did. This was it. Well, that's really. Yeah, that's right. This Grammy Awards gave us the Viola Davis EGOT. Yeah. Now, we're going to move on. I'll just say this. In order to make your Academy better, you must actually look at your nomination terms, conditions, rules, etc. that keep some people winning and keep some people from not winning. And then two, anyone who's a racist has to be shown the door. I mean, we I think that's to... true for most institutions. Well, <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. It can't be one and it can't be the other. It has to be both. And now I've done what every good award show should do. Awkwardly talk politics before we get back to the awards. <laughs> and so let's move on. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk about all of the, the best, quote unquote, best categories, the, the big ones. But in between that, we'll visit some of the other categories, rock, R&B, pop, country, and so on, right? So... Let's start, and we'll go alphabetically. So in this segment, I want to talk first about those lovable Swedish up-and-comers, ABBA. They're really new on the music scene this year. I yeah. mean, like, I was so impressed. Yeah, it's, I think it's really interesting that the nominee field this year includes somebody who just won at Eurovision, you know, two years ago. <laughs> I, I think that's great. Uh, wait, that's not ABBA? Yeah, uh, I we, there are two Eurovision winners. Yeah, nominated uh, in the field this year, and I for one am here for it. I thought it was really funny that 
when I posted about this episode in our Discord server that someone said, reading this feels like being back in 2002, <laughs> like reading the list of nominations. And one of the ones they mentioned was ABBA. Uh, this might be more like being back in the late 70s. Well, I mean, they mentioned Beyonce, too. So, like, I right. mean, like... Well, Beyonce was... Not in the late not 70s. Not around yeah. in the late 70s, <laughs> yet. So, ABBA is actually nominated both for Best Album of the Year. They had their, their big comeback album, Voyage, as well as Record of the Year for the song Don't Shut Me Down. I listened to this, and, well, I have thoughts. But first, Tessa, what did you think of this song? Don't Shut Me Down? Yes. It was fine. Okay. I, I I don't know. Like, I definitely came to ABBA a little later. This was not a group that had a lot of playtime when I was a child. I know everybody was so excited when they were putting out a new album and putting out this song because they hadn't made music together or new music together in years and years and years. I, I like ABBA. I like the stuff that I've heard of theirs. I've listened to their older albums. I'm a Mamma Mia fan, as you know this album just kind of was meh for me. And so was this song. It, it just didn't really stick in my mind the way that their other stuff usually does. Right. That That's a, a technical way that Tessa uh, talks yeah, about yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. Does this song stick in my mind or not? Do I forget about this song as soon as it's over? <laughs> now, now we love the Mamma Mia musicals, right? Anyone who's ever listened to this podcast knows we love Mamma Mia. Yes, we love Mamma Mia. We love Amanda Seyfried. Some of us love Meryl Streep. All of us love Christine Baranski. That's right. That's right. Lily James's hair. I mean, the list goes on. Of course, none of that we would have without ABBA. By the way, so ABBA won Eurovision in 1974 with Waterloo. Right. So it was a while ago. Great song. I bring this up specifically, not just to keep talking about Eurovision. This is not a stealth Eurovision episode. (laughs) But But it could be. It could be. This album reminded me of every single Olivia Newton-John song that I've heard from the 1990s and after, which is, if you don't have anything new to say, what does it mean to keep making the same music over and over again as you get older? I mean, musicians can do whatever they want to do. I, I think I think we're all in the... the uh, free will camp here. A- ABBA does not actually owe us anything. I don't no. know if you knew this or not. No, but you know, so listening to the entire album, it just reminded me of like, I could just be listening to vintage ABBA. I don't know why I would listen to this. Right. And by the way, I just want to say Waterloo was the winning song from the country of Sweden in Eurovision 1994. Fourth place. From the United Kingdom, Long Live Love by Olivia Newton-John. Aw. Yeah, same year. From so the anyway. UK, not yeah, Australia? She, well, she's from the UK. I thought she was Australian. Yes. Well, yeah, but And lived like, in California for a long period of her life. I am so confused right now. Uh, she was born in the UK and then moved down to Australia and got famous there. Oh, but it's like birth country. Right. I'm very unclear like, sometimes like, about the rules of Eurovision. It's like, it's like how Maria Sharapova is Russian. I guess. I guess. Still better than Khalid. Oh, my God. <laughs> I will be talking about Khalid during this episode, and it will not be complimentary. But we are not there yet. Right now, let's talk about Adele. Are we complimentary of Adele? Adele's album, Whatever Age She Is Now, was nominated for Album of the Year. And we're specifically talking about the song Easy On Me. 
That would be a great album title for her next album, like to break with her tradition and just call whatever age what, I am now. I don't, <laughs> like, I, don't age, know. I don't know. Whatever. What did you think about Easy On Me? Again, fine. I know people really liked this album and... Why? Why did they like this album, I, Tessa? Because people like things, Is it, Sam? It's 31, I believe, isn't it? Yes, because okay. we're almost the same age, which is very strange Weird. to think about. But should, should you give up or should you just keep... Chasing pavements. Oh, my God. Even if it leads nowhere. So the only... This is going to say something about me, I'm sure. The only Adele album I like is 21. That's it. Like, I... And I know that that's, like, the one that everybody likes. And it's such a... It's such a fucking good album. But I just... Again, I haven't been really impressed with her music. And again, I know people like it. That's not... It's just one of those things where it just hasn't clicked with me since then. Well, you know, I I think that... When your big success is a breakup record. Right. Right. You can choose a couple of different paths. One, you can have other elements of your personality exist. Let's take You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette, for for example. Not every song on Jagged Little Pill is about how she is, in fact, a jagged little pill because somebody broke up with her or vice versa or whatever, Dave. Anyway... The point is... But what about um, Olivia Rodrigo? But that's... See, listen, that's and my Sour. point. 21 is all about a breakup. Even Sour has other songs on it. Yeah, right? but, it, but it's mostly that breakup. The only one I can think of that's not about that breakup is that horrible song at the end that makes it not a perfect record. Yeah, If right. that song did not exist, they'd all be about the breakup and it would be a perfect record. So the point is... You can make your song, you can make your career about the breakup, or you can make your career about the music. Here's the thing about Adele. Her first album, 19, you should go listen to because it's also good. I've heard it. It's fine. I just, it never captured me like 21 does. Now, I will say, easy on me. I listened to it again yesterday. It is probably the best I've heard from her in a while. Like, I did actually find that song okay. Like, I would put it on again. Or if it was on the radio, I wouldn't change the channel. Let's just put it that way. I don't know if I'd actually put it on because I would forget about it. But yeah, I just, I don't know what it is. And also this album, if we're going to talk about the album in general, has a lot of mom pop on it. And I'm not saying that mom pop is bad. I'm just saying I don't identify with it at all. But if you do, that's cool. Two things. So the first one is after watching this last season of The Crown, I'm I'm reminded of just how cringe Diana could be. And they do a very good job of dramatizing like how much she uh, leaned on her eldest son because her husband was trash. You know, going to the point of complaining about her husband to her son, talking about her life to her son in a way as if he was an equal, not her child. Having lived through this... Don't do that. It's the Lorelai Gilmore. Don't do it. Adele does that on this album. She does. Like there is actually a- Bring your kid to work day is not a day where they get in the studio and say shit. Yeah. You don't talk about your life like that in front of your kid. You can tell them stuff, but not like that kind of stuff. I, the second thing is I, going back to 19 really fast, I thought- because Duffy came out right around the same time with her first album, which is much better. Boy, has that woman had an um, unfortunate turn of events <laughs> in her life. 
But I mean, you know, and and if you want to lump Amy Winehouse in that category as a somewhat contemporaneous figure, Adele's like number three, and yet she's the only one still around. Like, well, but think about what Amy Winehouse's career probably would have been if she had lived. Like, she was trying to like kick the addiction. She was in line to sing a Bond song, which she would have been great at. Adele has, of course, done a Bond song, which is pretty good. But like I, I really feel like Adele is like you. I I agree with you. I never thought to group those three together, but that makes sense to me. Well, that's what I'm here for. That's what I bring to the podcast <laughs> to group things together. Yes, to make those connections. Yes. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna leave aside the the big record category and talk about best new artist for a little bit. We listened to all of these tracks and. There are, to me, there are three that stand out, and then there was the winner, Samara Joy. Right. So this is, uh, Best New Artist is such a stressful category for me usually, because I, I mean, I know you've already accepted this, Sam, and you've like dealt with it in your own life. You've gone through all these feelings. You've accepted things about yourself. I am still going through the process of accepting the fact that I no longer recognize most of the names in this category every year. I was very good at keeping up with new music for a very long time. And it was like I turned 30 and suddenly I was like, who the fuck is Lotto? Like, I have no idea who this is. Is this what the youths are listening to? And like, I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just for some reason, I, I blame it on the fact that I don't listen to the radio anymore. I used to listen to the radio a lot. So it, it's, it's a thing. Anyway, so that stressed me out a little bit. However, I actually really liked what we listened to. I'm, I actually want to go back and listen to it again. But the ones that really stuck out to me, of course, are Monoskin, our other Eurovision Hey. Winner who are basically like if you took bi- they put the they put the lightning in bisexual lightning. I was about to say if you took bisexuality and made it into a band that would be Monoskin. Like truly if you, something for everybody. If you have never seen them perform. Look them up right now. They're amazing. But yeah, the Italian when they, when the they, Italian hard rock band Monoskin. I love it when they won Eurovision because like you have to just. You're like sitting in the crowd for like 17 hours just drinking and doing whatever stupid shit you're doing to get on camera. And then you win and you have to get up and play. They were so happy. That was great. They were so happy. And like they were crying. It was great. So they are so good. And you picked the song I Want to Be Your Slave from their first album, I think. Is volume one their first album? I who knows we're we're American we don't keep up with like non English speaking countries and their music I don't know I just know it took I them believe, a long time to put an album out after Eurovision I believe that this album uh, Teatro de Ira Volume One I believe that is the Grammy eligible work from which this nomination was drawn from but I could be wrong right so I mean I... some of the some of the Grammy categories have albums from twenty. Actually, 1983. That's how weird the eligibility window is. <laughs> See, and is. that's the thing. I will never completely understand. It's hard enough for me to understand Oscar rules. I, I really think that in this category, the biggest snub was Eddie Murphy's party all the time. <laughs> like, producer Rick James got done dirty. I hope when his eligibility window comes up for his own work in 2027 <laughs> that he is recognized. 
I hope the same thing doesn't happen to Don Johnson. <laughs> I mean, I just I hope we don't normalize Grammy snubbing actors because, you know, they're out of their lane or whatever. So anyway, I don't know. So I, I think the really cool thing about Monoskin, besides just being a very good band in general, like I love their music. I love how hypnotic and hard rock and playful it is. I like that they do songs in both Italian and in English. One of the things that I really love is the lead singer's use of his voice as an instrument. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the way that he sings is almost constant. Like it is like just flow of singing. There's very little breaks in his lyrics in this song or in other songs that he does, but it adds kind of this layer to the sound. Also, the way he whispers the line, if you want to use me, I could be your puppet, just completely makes the song. Like, it's just no notes, perfect. In 2023, nearly two years after I've been uh, introduced to this band, I am looking up the name of the bassist, whose name is Victoria DeAngelis. Which, by the way, that's the only possible name that could have been her real name. DeAngelis. She is a... Victoria DeAngelis. She is a bisexual angel in leather. Well, what I like about... what I I actually don't know if she's bisexual. Okay. (laughs) I hope so. Anyway. (laughs) So... uh, Oh, by the way... Okay, hold on. Real time. Looking this up. In addition to Victoria DeAngelis, we have guitarist Thomas Raji who has like the most normal name in the band. <laughs> the lead singer is Damiano David. Yes, that's who I was trying to remember his name. Yes. Oh, but hold on, friends. The drummer is Ethan Torchio. Oh, he's great. I love every member of this band. Like I well, could just watch them perform forever. What I was actually going to say, though, is I it, appearances can always be deceiving, right? These could be the straightest people, you know, probably not. But there's no way. But. DeAngelis often looks like, you know, you you associate the drummer with the person doing the tempo, but I think her bass work sometimes does the tempo and what you were saying controls the tempo. And what you were saying about David is that he is he is also kind of pushing it with that constant vocal. That's the thing. They're always their their ballads aren't as good because right. they're best when they're pushing Tempo. They didn't win though, so uh, they should have. Forget them. I also really the other standout for me was Wet Leg, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which I had never heard before this. So I am going to like listen to all their music now. Oh my god, they were great. They were great. We'll talk more about them in their in in their category, but they were great. I also really wanted to stop for a minute to talk about Money Long. Again, I had never heard. And hours is a real song. That song is really good. It's spelled yes, it HRS, is. HRS. So I was like, hers and hers. No, it's hours and hours. It's 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 really great. Uh, none of these people won. Right. Samara Joy, who I I think this song, uh, her 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 songs are fine, fine. I think this says, and and unfortunately because of where she comes alphabetically, we listened to Samara Joy right after Money Long, and I'm like, okay. If you're going to tell me, because this is an issue we've talked about with Beyonce already. If you're going to tell me that a black woman is going to win this award, okay, money long, right? Naturally. I think Samara Joy, her work is great. It's fine. The Grammy, average Grammy voter must be like 112. And very white. Because this is a throwback. Yeah. 
a throwback to all of the jazz and blues singers of the early to mid 20th century that you like. If you dig that, listen to Samara Joy. Doing great stuff. I just, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, again, I'm going to listen to your playlist, which I'm going to post in the show notes about all of these people, because most of them I actually really enjoyed. And I don't necessarily remember each song attached to each person, but it's definitely a good group of people this year. And I plan on exploring them more for sure. It was it was nice that uh, you like you can add Molly Tuttle in there and you've got some more folk country. This this category, because it's 10 nominees, really did cover a lot of genres. And so that's, it's good. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think maybe that's the big takeaway about the Grammys. The show has really been focused on performances for a long time. And that was clearly a good idea. The awards are the worst part of the show. But when we talk about the Oscars and the Grammys and the Hugos and the Emmys and the Indie Spirits and not the Golden Globes, not you. We hate you. But... It's about getting the attention, right? right. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about films like The Woman King that were snubbed uh, the week after we talk about the Oscars. It's not so much that it won't win or it wasn't nominated. It was about the fact that visibility really does make a difference, and these award nominations, if not the wins, but the nominations especially, create better visibility. And that's something that we can be happy about. Well, and I mean, I think I've said this before in context with the Oscars, but it's a list, right? And this, this podcast is about lists. And the idea is, is that even if it doesn't win, it is on a list and people are more likely to watch something or listen to something on that list because it's on the list. And you can just debate whether things should be that way or not, but that's just kind of how our pop culture scene works for a lot of people because a lot of people don't have the time like we do to really dig into like what, what was good this year, what came out this year, right? They're going to wait until somebody makes a list and says, these are the things you should watch. Right. And I know the Grammys aren't cool, but I really enjoyed doing this because it gave me a real look into a lot of, a lot of music, not, not necessarily the best music or the most popular music, but a lot of music, period. And that's okay. You ready to talk about rock and or roll, Tessa? <laughs> rock and or roll. One or the other, but not both. Actually, here's the thing about rock. This legit happened. As more and more non-rock and roll artists have been nominated. So, you know Bob Dylan? Remember, I do know Bob you Dylan. You know how Bob Dylan won the Nobel Prize for Literature. And didn't show up because he didn't care. And also he doesn't write literature. He, I He's know. a musician. Yes, I understand. So. You, the, you've made your feelings about Murakami being sm- snubbed very clear. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum in Cleveland, Ohio, has faced a similar conundrum. What to do when we nominate R&B, hip hop, pop, people who in no way can be called rock and roll. Not a guitar to be found. Well, I read recently one justification. It's rock and roll. What is R&B and hip-hop if hip hop if not roll? I mean, that's 
actually the best version I've heard of that. I hate yeah. that. So rock and or roll might not be a great one. Okay, so anyway, we're going to talk about best rock performance real quick. There was a song from Brian Adams, So Happy It Hurts, Ick, Old Man, a cover of Neil Young's Old Man by Beck. Wild Child by the Black Keys, one of whom was given a black eye. Ick, again. And then we have, and this is fun, kids, artist, country artist perhaps, nay, rock artist, Brandy Carlisle, nominated for Broken Horses, which I've heard a couple times now, and I really like this song. I am really digging Brandy Carlisle this year. Like, I I liked her before, but Broken Horses is, as the kids say, a banger of a song. Is it a banger, Tessa? It is so good. It's like equal parts emotional and high energy, and I I loved everything about Brandy Carlisle's music this last year. We also had Crawl by Idols, that young and upcoming scamp. Ozzy Osbourne featuring Jeff Beck <laughs> doing patient number nine. Nobody does mental illness rep like the Mr. Oz. <laughs> and then finally, Holiday by Turnstile. I, I, you know, a lot of these, so not a lot of these. Ozzy and Brian Adams are obviously legacy acts. One of these songs is good. The other is a song. Patient number nine is fine. I'm also looking at this list and going... Cancel culture who? Right. I, like half of them are people who have recently come out as having done some pretty horrible things. I, well, you know, the other thing too is I, I Idols and Turnstile didn't do much for me. The Black Keys song, like even if we were okay with their membership in Toto, uh, this song sounds like every Black Keys song ever. I have to say, Brandy Carlisle, who won, is doing the best work in this oh, category, yeah. which, hey... Guys, try harder. But I loved uh, Beck's cover of Old Man. That's that's a great Neil Young song. Beck did a good job. Not sure why it got nominated. Was this a very weak category this year? Brandy Carlisle, man, as you said, that song is good. Well, like I said, I mean, I think if she hadn't won, that would have been very, very problematic considering the quality of the other work here. Moving over to best metal performance, we have our first guest call-in, Jarrett, take it away. Hey, monkeys. Jarrett from Wild Pretty Things here to discuss metal performance. Exciting. Uh, so first we have Ghost. This is you know a pretty classic metal arrangement and production as far as contemporary music goes. There's an organ, which is cool. I do not like Ghost vocals for whatever reason. This has become the crossover metal band. Hot Topic has so much ghost uh, merch. I've always assumed it has more to do with the name and logo and uh, wardrobe presentation and things like that for the band. But, you know, it's certainly decent. It's not for me. Uh, Megadeth uh, is a legacy act on this list. I like a lot of their older stuff. I listened to it a lot when I was a teenager. And if you like like mainstream speed metal shredding kind of stuff, you know, you probably like Megadeth. I saw like last night I saw like a probably a you know, eleven year old kid wearing a Megadeth shirt. Uh Dave Mustaine, former uh founding member of Metallica and the lead singer, lead guitarist of Megadeth, is an asshole. I'm sure a lot of Gen X people were rooting 
for Megadeth in this category if they care about the Grammys, which I think kind of has time and time again alienated metal fans. So by looking into this, I did learn that Megadeth covered Dead Kennedys on their latest album, which is interesting. Uh, next we have Muse. We talked a little bit on the uh, on the Discord about it being weird that they're in this category, but then when I listened to the song, yeah, Lazy, this is a metal song. It, the album's not metal, the band's not metal, but this song is album is pff, metal. The album is bad. There's maybe a couple decent songs, and this song is no exception because it sounds like some kind of royalty-free metal junk. Like, the opening track of the album, not this song, but quotes beautiful people, and it's like summertime blues updated. It's so weird. I kind of like the production on this specific song, though. I don't like the guitar tone. It's just really overwrought, in my opinion. And again, we're, we're talking specifically about the song Kill or Be Killed. It's very, has a lot of Pantera vibes to me, but like slower than Pantera would probably play the song. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to completely hate Muse because Matt Bellamy is such a good singer. If you want to check out some new Muse, Verona, I think, is the best song on this album. Moving on to Turnstile, which to me is also not metal, but like, I guess they're too heavy to be an alternative, is the thought process. Turnstile is like a, a mashup of different subgenres of punk, I would say, but, you know, we're splitting hairs here. But they are also nominated in rock, which I think they probably fit better in. But anyways, the the song the song is metal and rock, so that's fine. I like the production of their stuff. Um, I especially like the middle eight for this song, and I you know I don't think I'll ever really get into Turnstile because when I hear them, I'm like I'd rather just listen to At the Drive In, which I think they're extremely influenced by. You know, Ozzy won. I kind of assumed that would happen. He's the legacy pick. You know, it's Ozzy. And it's he's on that track playing with the guitarist from Black Sabbath. Plus, the big thing, I think, with that Ozzy win is Jeff Beck is on the album, even though he's not on the track nominated here, or that won here, and, you know, died recently. So I think that's a part of the reason they won. I would have nominated What Have We Done by Brutus because I like that song, but I'm not like a metal expert or anything. I didn't say it in my alternative album one, so before or after, this is uh, a little awkward, but I just wanted to mention some alternative albums that I really liked this year. Sorry, I'm losing my voice again. Crazy weekend. Alice Glasses, Pray For... Uh, Mia Folix 2007 is the name of the... It's not really an album, so it, I guess it wouldn't actually qualify, but... And Soccer Mommies, Sometimes Forever. That's not an exhaustive list, but just something that came to mind. Is there anything else you want to say about any of these songs, Tessa? I don't listen to this category. <laughs> I mean, like, I, we had some on the playlist, and I sort of remember them vaguely. I probably have listened to Muse more than I've listened to any of these others. It's just not... 
It's just not my thing. Yeah. So Ozzy wins in this category and that's fine. But I agree with Jarrett. I love the lead singer Muse's voice. I actually really like this song. Muse has kind of been off my map for a while. A couple albums there weren't, I didn't think very good, but I think this is a very good song. Hey, Sam and Tessa. Uh, It's Ryan. I'm here to talk about two categories from this year's Grammy Awards. Uh, Best Rock Song. Uh, The nominees include the Red Hot Chili Peppers for Black Summer, Turnstile for their song Blackout, the War on Drugs song Harmonia's Dream, uh, and Ozzy Osbourne featuring Jeff Beck doing Patient Number 9, and then the winner, uh, as chosen by the Grammy voters, uh, Brandy Carlisle for Broken Horses. Yeah, this is a weird category. (laughs) Um... That War on Drugs album uh, came out in 2021. I have no idea how the eligibility for the Grammy Awards works, let alone how they decide what goes in what what category. But kind of talking through these really quickly in sort of favorite to, to least favorite, that War on Drugs track is from their 2021 album, Uh, I Don't Live Here Anymore. Uh, They are a Philly band, so I have a little bit of pride with them. Uh, The album is great. I have the vinyl. One of my favorite recent rock albums, which, you know, rock is uh, a legacy genre, I guess, at this point, which, you know, maybe you guys are talking about, maybe not. You know, for me, Turnstile was probably the next best. Uh, They have a really contemporary, I I guess, somewhat fresh sounding rock sound. Um, and I enjoy that album a whole lot as well, although it's it's not one I've gone back to a ton. Um, the Ozzy Osbourne track, I don't know why this counts as rock and not metal, maybe because Jeff Beck is on there, but it does basically sound like an Ozzy Osbourne song, uh, but not a particularly memorable one, uh, which also kind of feels the same way about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Black Summer. It sounds like Californication, Stadium, Arcadium. Uh, I probably really haven't been keeping up with the Red Hot Chili Peppers in the past decade or so. Uh, but if you told me that that was a, you know, a track that was cut from one of those uh, early 2000s, late 90s albums of theirs, I wouldn't bat an eye uh, because it just sounds very much like their sound. Okay, we'll come back to Ryan a little bit later when we talk about the alternative categories. But for now, I think I disagree very little, if at all, with ryan's assessment it's such an odd category i felt the same way about the red hot chili pepper song that ryan felt i i have no problem with brandy carlisle again winning i had no idea the war on drugs was a philly band i didn't either i feel like that Okay. That that's what I got from this. No, right. I I mean I think this goes back to what we were saying earlier about ABBA, right? Like you do have these like legacy acts like Ozzy Osbourne and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Sorry if that hurts anyone's feelings, but like they're still making music that very much sounds like the music they used to make. And either you like that because you're very much into that kind of music or you have this reaction which I generally have with these bands which is, well, if you're just going to keep making the same thing. Why am I not listening to your older album? So it's right. exactly the same thing you said earlier. As Ryan says, this is very much a legacy category. Why isn't The Pretty Reckless ever on here for performance? Nobody likes girls, Tessa. Or, or even... Listen. Even Taylor Momsen's performance as front-running Soundgarden covers. 
No. Last don't, year. Don't make the dudes upset. Don't say that out loud. You can't say that on the podcast. I'm just saying, like, if rock is a legacy category, which I kind of agree with. I mean, I think that, like you said, we're more into the role than the rock now. But if we are going to talk about people doing good, like, rock performances, Taylor Momsen and the, the Pretty Reckless need to be nominated more. All right. First of all, we nominated one woman in the rock category this year. We couldn't even get Minuskin in because Brandi Carlisle got there first. Victoria DeAngelis need not apply. I'm just saying, I also would definitely watch a Soundgarden tour with Taylor Momsen. Again. Kind of like Adam Lambert and Queen. Don't make the men upset. I'm just don't, saying. Don't do it. I'd do it. I'd watch it. All right. Let's quickly drop into best rock album. Let's see how legacy this is. We have the Black Keys. Dropout Boogie. Ugh. We have Elvis Costello and the Imposters. The Boy Named If. You want to talk about a legacy act? Let's talk about Elvis Costello <laughs> for a minute. And by the way, can we get Elvis Costello back with the news? Fun fact, in case you didn't know, Elvis Costello's first album, he is backed by the news, as in Huey Lewis and the. Isn't that cool? The Idols album Crawler is also nominated. The eventual, uh, you want to talk about legacy rock and roll, you've got Ozzy Osbourne winning for patient number nine. And because Spoon, the undefinable Spoon, is nominated for Lucifer on the Sofa, but I left out one other nominee for mainstream sellout. Machine Gun Kelly was nominated, which must mean we have a clip from Melissa. Hi, Monkey Off My Backlog listeners. This is Melissa, and I'm here ostensibly to talk to you about the Best Rock Album category at the 2023 Grammys, but I'm actually just here to talk about Machine Gun Kelly's album, Mainstream Sellout. Apologies to these other bands. I'm sure their albums are great, but I have not listened to them. But I did listen to Mainstream Sellout more than any other album last year, and eight of my top 10 played songs are on Mainstream Sellout. And that doesn't include listens in bars, friends, cars, or the three shows I saw of this tour last year. This album is the culmination of a nearly 20-year career and over a decade of fandom for me. Skeptics called Ticket to My Downfall, the prior MGK album, a fluke as he added chart-topping pop-punk records to his repertoire. And so he did it again, with mainstream sellout earning him his first Grammy nomination. Melissa did her homework so fast for this. Like, I was like, can you please? And she was like, Here's the file. <laughs> and, and I just want to point out that, that Melissa recorded this before the Super Bowl. So I'm a little disappointed that we don't have any any hot dish from Melissa about other hot women who play guitar may or may not be involved in a piece of news with Machine Gun Kelly and or Megan Fox. I don't know. So here's the thing about Machine Gun Kelly. I agree a lot with Megan or Megan. I agree a lot with Melissa, who, I mean, obviously I'm not a Machine Gun Kelly super fan like she is, but I, I was... I'm going to stop you right there because you made me listen to Emo Girl when it came out. I did. I did. And so, also... So not a super fan, but that's not the point. I also made you listen to his collaboration with Halsey, Forget Me Too, which is a great song. But I really love that he made this turn an album or two ago into punk pop. Like, I... You know me. You know that I'm a Fall Out Boy fan. I have you met know you once or twice. Yes. I love Panic at the Disco. You yeah. know that I'm, I, you know, All Time Low, all of those bands. That that was me in middle school and high school. I did dye my hair black and, like, upset my parents greatly. 
because I was a baby punk pop person. (laughs) And so like anybody who makes this turn and makes it successfully is going to be like aces in my book. And Machine Gun Kelly has done a, such a great job. If you listen to his albums, they they do feature a lot of really like updated ideas and updated concepts lyrically, but it sounds like an album that came out in the early in the early 2000s. And so, yes, I will put this on. I will feel like a young teenager again. Please. All right. And with that, let's hop back over to the best of the best. Speaking of best of the best, Let's talk about the best played an assassin in a movie on this list, Bad Bunny. Oh, Bad Bunny. So Bad Bunny's album, Un Verano Sin Ti, was nominated for Album of the Year. Of course, we listened to the whole thing. It's great. It's so good. I didn't really know about Bad Bunny, which feels like an oversight because he's been around for a while and the... Latinx community in the U.S. has loved him for a long time. He is from Puerto Rico, and he does a lot of music about Puerto Rico. Like Monaskin, he does a lot of music in Spanish and in English. This album, though, is totally in Spanish. It is like one of the first. I I would have to look this up to know if it was the first, but I know that it has broken some records for being like the first big, completely Spanish-speaking album that sold this much. I assigned my students at the beginning of the semester as sort of a break-in writing assignment to kind of talk about paragraph writing. Uh, They had to identify their favorite musician of all time and explain why they were their favorite musician of all time. And a good third of my class talked about Bad Bunny. Like that is how popular he is. And a lot of them talked about the fact that they'd never really heard this kind of Spanish or this kind of music in mainstream music before. And that they recognize themselves in it. So it is a big deal, this album. This is uh, this is a very long album. It's 23 songs, 81 minutes. Uh, it's got songs Moscow Mule, Titi Mi Pregunto. Um, My fave. Yeah. I also really like the song Andrea, which features uh, Buscabuya. There is also on this album the song El Apagón, which is the song whose video is a 20-minute documentary about the state that Puerto Rico has been in after the Trump administration ignored them. You know, basically, things weren't great in a lot of places to begin with because of years and years of neglect of what is essentially a colony. And then, you know, after a devastating hurricane was pretty much ignored. And so Bad Bunny uses his platform to to put attention on this and you know it's one of those things that i i'm like do we need more attention on it or do we actually need to do stuff and i mean i think that's his point i mean right yeah, like, exactly. i don't I think mean, that that's something he would disagree with no he's also genre blending here i don't know as much about the genres that he's blending but like you can definitely hear hip-hop samba like some more of those like latinx flavors but they're like a lot of different ones going on all together here also, I you know, Bullet Train, it was fine as a movie. His performance, pretty good. That like was, I was I was impressed. I, I really feel like if you're gonna put a case up for summer blockbusters in the theater, Bullet that Train one was, was a not, pretty good one. That was a yeah. good one. I'm glad we saw it in a near empty theater though. Now it's time. I guess we have to we have to bring up the the Virgo in the room. <laughs> I'm Are of you, course were you happy to find out she was a Virgo? 
I mean, it makes sense if you really stop and think about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have Beyonce's Virgo to Madonna's Leo, which really just tells you everything you need to know about those two. Anyway, Renaissance. Renaissance is nominated. Doesn't win. Break My Soul. The song. Nominated. Doesn't win. We have Break My Soul in a separate category, doesn't win. Shut out of the three big categories. And we've talked a little bit more about this at the top. But Break My Soul is a fine song. I think that what's what's really interesting is I know I couldn't tell you this. I couldn't have told you this in the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s or any time leading up to right now. But I know that dance hall that genre, if you want to call it, style, whatever, played a large part in music in my earlier years. And it I feel like it really, at least in popular music, went out of vogue and then Beyonce brought it back in. But she does a lot. Right. But going beyond Break My Soul to listening to the whole album, especially Virgo's group, it, it really reminded me of a lot of stuff that I remember listening to when I was much younger. And I really enjoyed it. More than I expected to. I, I'll be perfectly honest. I enjoyed it way more than I enjoyed Lemonade. Lemonade is a very good album. I like this one much better. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about this song later. But Cuff It is a great song. Do you like to dance, Sam? In theory, yes. There, This was a good year for dance albums. This is clearly the best dance album. And it uh, well, is a, and that's the award. That's what she won an award for. She actually managed to win in that category. Yeah, so. it's a shame that the Grammys and Beyonce have such a toxic relationship. They keep nominating her but not letting her win for like the really big awards, which of course has been a huge part of the discourse around the Grammys for a very long time. So, I mean, considering what actually won, yikes. Um, you're, of course, referring to the the album award that went to somebody we're going to talk about at the end of the show. Someone who never wins awards like these, Sam. Oh, man, it's tough. All right, so moving away from Beyonce, next on the list would be Mary J. Blige, whose album and song, Good Morning Gorgeous, nominated, are fine. This is another... <laughs> I'm going to say this and like, I'm going to get screamed at by several people. This is another legacy album. <laughs> I think that's fair. I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to yell at you for that. I will admit that I have never really done a deep dive on Mary J. Blige. I just, it never aligned with when I was born and what I was listening to and all of that stuff. She's fine. I don't have a whole lot to, to add to that. We've already talked about Brandy Carlisle a little bit. She uh, is nominated in Record of the Year for the song You and Me on the Rock, which is nowhere near as good as the song that we were just talking about in the rock category. Also nominated for Best Album for In These Silent Days, which I think was a very good album. Didn't win, but it was definitely in the, the upper tier, I think, on this album list, which... I, I was surprised. I think there are a lot of albums that are in the upper tier on this. I mean, I definitely think Renaissance was up there and Un Verano Sin Ti was up there. I would not put the ABBA or the Adele albums up there in the top tier. But like I said, I would put In These Silent Days up there. Anything else you want to say about Brandy Carlisle? Yeah, I always... So, I, you know that 
I like country and we're going to talk a lot about country later. I've always really appreciated the way that Brandy Carlisle very effortlessly mixes rock and country and folk, like in a way that is very accessible and sounds, it sounds really just like a, a genre that has passed kind of, but unlike some of these other bands that we've talked about that you know, to kind of keep making the same music, she still manages to make it feel very relevant and very nostalgic at the same time. And I think this album does a really good job of both while providing very, very good songs. Right. Okay, so let's talk about pop, a category that you know is very near and dear to my heart. The one we're going to talk about the most. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, so first up, we have Best Pop Solo Performance as opposed to best pop duo or group. In the solo category, we have Easy On Me. Which one? Eh. Moscow Mule by Bad Bunny, which did not win. Could have won. The most could have I- had it all. Yeah, the most... Oh, Tessa. You see what that. I did there? No. You see what I did there? I Well, you know what? I would say that's very ironic, but now we have the most ironic song nominated, oh Woman by Doja Cat. I don't really like it when gender essentialists make music about my gender. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Doja Cat is extremely transphobic and homophobic, and I don't know why she keeps getting nominated or attention for these things, especially because Woman is a very gender essentialist song, was not eligible. No, no. It was not eligible last year, but if you want to hear a really good song about this topic, listen to Halsey's I Am Not a Woman But a God. Yep. And so uh, we may or may not have more to say about Doja Cat in the next segment, but we will definitely have more to say about Steve Lacey later, who was nominated for Bad Habit here. About Damn Time by Lizzo, who we will talk about later, nominated but didn't win, as it was by Harry Styles, nominated but did not win. We'll get to all of them later, but of course Adele carries this category for some reason. She's the lowest common denominator, I think. I guess. Anyway, best pop duo group performance. We have Don't Shut Me Down by ABBA, which we've talked about already. We have the perfectly tolerable song, Bam Bam, by the perfectly tolerable Camila Cabello and featuring the perfectly tolerable Ed Sheeran. (laughs) That is the perfect way of describing that. And, And, you know, when you listen to that song, you're like, no, that's fine. And then Coldplay and BTS come on your 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 speakers immediately with my universe. You're like, oh, what a great song! Which I will say, it's a good song. It's even better when you play it after the perfectly tolerable combo of Camila Cabello and Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I have not listened to Coldplay in years. I think you keep up with them more than I do. I don't really listen to a lot of BTS. I really want to because I love Blackpink. And so I really want to get more into that that whole scene. This is such an odd combination, but it works so well. So it took me a while to listen to Music of the Spheres, the album. I like it. I like it. I, I mean, I've, I know, I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise for somebody who's liked Coldplay since Parachutes has seen them live. I, I mean, like, this shouldn't be a surprise. But I I think that Coldplay Coldplay has been retired for almost a decade now, and they're still putting out great records. Chris Martin is also like running across that stage <laughs> like a champ. 
Oh my God, that guy. Oh man, he shouldn't be allowed to dress himself. He, he has too much energy for speaking, someone, anyone. Speaking <laughs> of people who shouldn't be allowed to dress themselves, uh, we also have I Like You, a happier song by Post Malone and Doja Cat. Again, two people that I dislike immensely. <laughs> dislike immensely. You gonna start singing Sunflower? I do like Sunflower. Okay. It is, I mean, it's Spider-Man. Like, come on. And we have the winner of this category, the gayest duo ever in gay, Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras. Sam, how Sam, how <laughs> much real estate do you think that Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras has taken <laughs> up in your brain for the last year? I, okay, first of all, first of all, if you've seen the, if you haven't seen the performance of this from the Grammys, you need to. Sam Smith is wearing a. <laughs> Sam Smith is wearing a Party City Devils outfit. <laughs> I was gonna say the SNL performance where no, they no, no. are wearing a. That was actually cool. What I'm talking oh, about yeah, is. I see. No, I loved the the SNL one where they are wearing a giant, like embroidered brocade dress yeah. and then Kim, Kim Petras, Petras comes out between their legs. Yeah, yes. pops out from between <laughs> their legs. That's perfect. Just the queerest thing I've ever seen I, in my life. Uh, uh, Kim, Kim, real talk. If you're listening to this, which you aren't, but Kim, if you're listening, Dr. Luke is a bad person. Okay. All right. You can do better, Kim. Thanks, Kim. Anyway, really quickly, we have best traditional pop vocal album which is a category that Michael Bublé win. So, nope, nope. But yeah, best pop vocal album, which is the real best pop album. I like how there's two. One's called Best Traditional Pop Vocal and one's Best Pop Vocal. The first one's the one the Christmas albums are in. The second one <laughs> is ABBA, Adele, Coldplay, Lizzo, and Harry Styles. As we'll talk about later, Harry's House is the winner here. We'll come back to all that. Again, Music of the Spheres, Spheres was good. Do you think Special was good? Like, which one would you rather have won, Music of the Spheres or Special? Save it for the next segment, Okay, fine. All right. It's actually not the next segment. So, I don't know. That's that's tough. It was definitely one of those and not Harry's house. (laughs) Oh, look. Look who's next on our list. Let's talk about Best Of. Let's talk about Coldplay a little bit more. Coldplay was nominated for Album of the Year with Music of the Spheres, whole album, and I would, I don't think they ever had a chance of winning oh, that no. one, <laughs> but it's yeah, a good album. I'd know, put it up there in the top tier, though. Despite what I said about not following Coldplay, and we've had a lot of conversations about how in recent years they've kind of started to try to become U2, which I think is a very interesting choice. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of U2. I mean, they're fine. Again, it's just not something I'm going to listen to. But I will say about Coldplay, unlike some other people we've talked about on this list, they they really try new things. Yeah. Like, they do actually try to think about their album as, like, steps forward in their musical career instead of just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. By the way, uh, I was having a conversation with our producer, Ryan, about U2, who announced a new album compilation re-recording thing of sorts that goes along with their residency in Las Vegas. And I I said, because we were talking about the different eras that we like, and we both don't really care for the album No Line on the Horizon very much. And I said, but, but Ryan, are you telling me you're not a big fan of the point on that album 
where Bono sings about seeing his reflection in the ATM machine. And he said, no, that's like the most Bono thing that Bono's ever Bonoed because, <laughs> because he's just like, he's just like us. He goes to the ATM too. Bono goes to the ATM too. Actually, his exact words, I believe, were Mac Fisto goes to the yeah, but he also goes to the ATM too. He also probably has something. He probably thinks the ATM has something to say about race in America. Shut the fuck up! Oh my god! So, Woman by Doja Cat is also nominated for Record of the Year. I think we've already said what we have to say about. I, that. I have nothing to add. Okay, now I know what you do have something to say about Tessa. I know that you really want to talk about Song of the Year nominee DJ Khalid for God Did. <laughs> DJ Khalid! You know, it's funny as we were listening to this and you're like, the best part about uh, about DJ Khalid is that people should really <laughs> be their own hype man yeah, more. Yeah, more people should be their own hype Just not him. Just not him. Just he, not him. Like for somebody who very publicly said... For someone who very publicly said that they don't perform, they don't go down on their partners because because they see it as emasculating, but they're totally fine getting head. Like I know. What would Uncle Junior say? Actually, he would agree. Uncle Junior would agree in public. How does that even translate? (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, that's all I can think of. Every time I hear him now, I'm just like, you are a selfish lover and I hate you. So God Did is actually, this is true, 47 minutes long. It's a single song and it features Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, Jay-Z, John Legend, and Friday. The 47 minute thing wasn't true, but all those features are. I don't I mean, I, I actually I, did like the rest of the song I, as right. much as DJ Khalid was involved, which again, it's just DJ Khalid when he's involved, you just know that he's going to intro the song. Listen, like that's about it. Listen, DJ Khalid is not the most problematic artist who's had a song that features both Rick Ross and Jay-Z. We all know that's Kanye West. Thanks for ruining monster, dude. That's what a motherfucking monster do. Anyway. And that's the only time I'll quote Kanye on this podcast. <laughs> Actually, that might have been Nicki Minaj, not Kanye. So, okay. <laughs> All right. Gail, Tessa, Gail. <clears throat> A dramatic performance. A, B, C, D, E, F, U, and your mom, and your sister, and your job, and your broke-ass car, and that shit you call art. Fuck you and your friends that I'll never see again. Every but your dog, you can all fuck off. I like that the dog is the exception in this song, and it just makes the song for me. How did, how did that song not win? I don't know. I ask you. It's so good in every sense of the word because like if you are feeling, look, I like a petty song. Like I'm kind of a petty bitch sometimes and I like my petty music, which is why I like Sour so much and it's why I like Taylor Swift so much. This is a petty ass song. And honestly, if I had somebody that was this awful to me, I probably would try to steal their dog too. And now it's time for the alternative music segment, which I will completely turn over to Ryan and Jarrett Take it away. For best alternative music performance, uh, this category is probably more my speed. Uh, You have the Arctic Monkeys with their song, uh, There'd Better Be a Mirrorball, Big Thief with their song Certainty, uh, Florence and the Machine with King, uh, Wet Leg with Chase Lounge, and the Yeah Yeah Yeahs featuring Perfume Genius for Spitting Off the End of the World. These are definitely, like I said, more, more, this is like my sweet spot musically. 
I am really glad that Wet Leg won, if only because it's nice to see a new artist win. Uh, I probably would have given it to Certainty by Big Thief, even though that's not my favorite song off of that album. Uh, I really like it a lot because uh, I just really enjoy uh, Big Thief. And I think Adrian Lenker, who is the, the main, I believe she's the main songwriter for the group because she does songwriting on her own as well but she's the main vocalist and guitar player she is incredible just one of just an absolutely incredible performer uh and her last couple solo albums and this big thief album have just been uh i think she's really hitting a new height i love the arctic monkeys i really enjoy the sort of 70s funk sound that they're going for i I loved their sort of when they break broke through with their sort of you know, indie, modern, rock, dance hall kind of thing in the mid-2000s. Uh, I, I was a big fan of that sound. Uh, but these last two albums, uh, especially the, 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 the Cars is, is pretty good uh, that this track is off of. Uh, but the Hotel Tranquility Basin Casino, I think is kind of a low-key under-listened-to under masterpiece. <laughs> it's a loose concept album. Um, about a hotel and casino on the moon. And it's got this really cool 70s lounge sort of mixing sort of 60s bachelor pad music, lounge music with a little bit of funk and a little bit of blues rock. It's really fun. It's really like dirty and scuzzy in a good way. You know, Florence the Machine, obviously a great band. That song is very good. Uh, and I also love Spitting Off the Edge of the World by the AAS. Uh, they're one of my favorite bands, have been for many, many years. And that song is fantastic. It's ha- I'm happy to see them back. This is a really, to me, a really strong category. But again, um, Wet Leg, it's, it's cool to see an act break through like that. I feel like this is sort of similar to the trajectory that Courtney Barnett was on a couple years ago when she had that album that came out that was everywhere. But yeah. Uh, I hope you guys are talking about a little bit about genre distinction because this list of the Grammys makes no sense. And I didn't really talk about Broken Horses, actually. It's fine. (laughs) Brandi Carlisle, her winning song, Broken Horses, it's fine. Again, it's not, it doesn't feel like it's pointing in any new direction. Um, But I think with some of these, you know, categories that you guys probably aren't talking about as much, like American Roots and some of these other genre distinctions within the world of the Grammys, they're kind of giving you points for executing the thing that you're expected to execute as much as they're giving you for innovation, which I guess is probably true of most awards bodies. But the Grammys are the ones I, I, I don't even pretend to understand uh, how, you know, for example, Turnstile and their song Blackout can be both the best rock song and the best metal performance. I don't, I just don't understand how these distinctions work, but also in case you guys wanted to know some of my favorite music from last year, I did post that to fast designs, my uh, underutilized Substack blog. Um, the Panda bear and Sonic boom album reset, uh, is my favorite album from 2022. Uh, goose, their album drip field is right behind it. Uh, that Big Thief album I mentioned before, Dragon, New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You, uh, was number three. Uh, and Taylor with Midnights was number five. Uh, and The Smile, aka Not Radiohead, um, their album was number five because I am a absolute sucker for Radiohead and Tom York uh, for reasons I don't fully feel like reckoning with. But 
yeah, so that's that's my take on the music of 2022. I'm definitely in that rock rock centric world for better or for worse. Um, but I I do enjoy my fair share of pop, even if I don't feel like I have as much background to be able to comment on it. Um, but those were those were my favorite albums of the year, and again, two of the Grammys categories that you asked me to check out for you. Hi, monkeys. This is Jarrett from Wild Pretty Things. Uh, let's talk about best alternative album. So, Arcade Fire and Yeah Yeah Yeahs are the big names here. Um, with Yeah Yeah Yeahs, that's a band I love. But once they got away from being driven by more like post-punk guitar dynamics, I got more or sorry less and less interested. Arcade Fire, obviously problematic. And their newest album sounds like it was written by a less experienced band, which is something that happens as bands get older. I think they just lose some edge, some, I don't know, drive, (laughs) perspective, willingness to take criticisms, whatever it is. Uh, Big Thief and Wet Leg are both younger bands that I have no problem with, but as of yet have not clicked with me the Bjork album is good I'm happy she was nominated I do not feel like in her catalog that is the album she should have been nominated for but that's personal preference I actually don't even know who won this category so you guys have fun talking about that All right, so let's move on to a couple more of the best of the best nominees. First, we're going to talk about the nominee that I actually have the least to say about, Steve Lacey, whose song Bad Habit was nominated for Record of the Year. Tessa, do you have anything? I actually enjoyed this song when I listened to it for the first time yesterday. I kind of want to listen to it again. I don't have a lot to say about it other than that, but I, I don't know who Steve Lacey is. I've I never mean, heard of him. So. I mean, this, this I feel like is a example of, you know, being out of uh, being Grandpa Simpson and not knowing what it is and finding it scary. I am not ready to be Grandpa Simpson. I'm really not. Right. I'm, I'm really struggling with this whole not knowing new music thing. Right. So Steve Lacey is kind of billed as an R&B alternative singer-songwriter, kind of a hyphenate across genres. And again, like you said, fine, great. Nothing more to say, really. I This is definitely the person I know the least about in, in, in these big nominations, maybe right up there with Gail, although thanks to your dramatic reading, I'm, you know, I think everybody should be into Gail. <laughs> um, now, somebody we do know a little something about is Mr. Kendrick Lamar. Yes. Who I, I think we 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 like. I don't think. I know we like Kendrick Lamar. The Heart Part 5 was nominated for Record of the Year. And Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers nominated for Album of the Year. And The Heart Part 5 is also nominated for Song of the Year. Shut out of all three categories, like, you know, most of the nominees. I... I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's Kendrick Lamar. It's fine. I love Kendrick Lamar. Right. I I don't think this album is as good as damn, Right. but it is very, very good. And 
I think like Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar has a toxic relationship with the Grammys where they keep nominating him because he keeps talking about important issues. And he's obviously one of the best musicians out there, but they don't actually ever want to vote for him because the issues he brings up are too black. I think Um, they're very much entangled with the Black Lives Matter movement, especially a lot of his lyrics have become like rallying cries for that movement. And so I think that it's just it his music is just too much i think for a lot of uh, grammy voters which is really unfortunate because his, his his music's very good and it's very important and people should listen to it i i think everything you're saying is true but one of the things that comes out of this is that is the discourse on kendrick lamar just like the discourse on beyonce is that she won't win no matter how good the album is the fact of the matter is renaissance was a really good album This year's work from Kendrick Lamar didn't break through as far as I can tell as much as Renaissance did. So all of the things that you have said are true, but it's not surprising. So let's turn to Lizzo, whose song About Damn Time was nominated and won for Record of the Year, nominated for Song of the Year, and her album special nominated for Album of the Year. Good stuff. No? Sam, I'll ask you again. Do you like to dance? Uh, in my mind. I also really... In theory. Okay. Okay. You know how I am about the starts of albums. How yeah. artists choose to start yeah. their album. Uh, some of my best... Some of the best starts to albums that I have ever heard have been the start to Olivia Rodrigo's album, the mm-hmm. the ending of Brutal, which is a great setup for the rest of the album. And of course, the beginning of where, uh, when we all fall asleep, where do we go? The Invisalign is out and, uh, here's the album. That's just such a great start to the album. Lizzo starts this album with a shout, hi, motherfucker, did you miss me? Which is gotta be up there as one of the best intros. I think that's really, what's really interesting about Lizzo is she does have a, a hip hop sensibility. And it would be very tempting to say somebody who does hip hop and pop must be R&B. I think Lizzo is doing some of the best pop music out there. And I think, oh, yeah, I think it's actually very helpful to think of her as a pop artist in addition to all those other kinds of genres. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is better than her first album. Oh, I, I like agree. It than that one. I agree. And I think it works as an album better. Her first album had a lot of standout tracks on it, but this was definitely an album where the songs all very effortlessly flowed together. And finally, before we move on to talk about R&B and some of these people we've already talked about a lot already, but before we get there, let's talk about somebody who's not decidedly not R&B. Let's talk about Bonnie Raitt, whose song Just Like That was nominated for Song of the Year and won. Now, there is a lot of contention, a lot of upset, a lot of ire toward Harry Styles for beating out Beyonce for Renaissance. I haven't heard a single person say anything about the redheaded wonder Bonnie Raitt. I wonder if partially it's because Bonnie Raitt didn't get up and say that people like her don't win. But like also Bonnie Raitt has been around for so long. She has so much goodwill. And I think people, 
people don't necessarily see her as in competition to, for Beyonce. They're, they're in this category. They're going to look more at the actual system of how Grammys get nominated and then, you know, delivered to winners rather than they're, then they're going to look at Bonnie Raitt specifically. And Bonnie Raitt's good. People love her. Yeah. I heard a lot of people talking about how this was a retroactive Grammy award for the song I Can't Make You Love Me, which should have won a Grammy years and years and years ago. So let's give them something to talk about. All right. So now let's quickly turn to two of the final genre categories that we talked about. We have actually talked about a good bit of the nominees in these categories, but let's let's quick take a look over at R&B. So best R&B performance are three of which we've already talked about. Burgos Groove by Beyonce was nominated. Here With Me by Mary J. Blige featuring Anderson Pac, which after listening to that entire album, that's probably one of the songs I would recommend. Uh, Hours and Hours, Money Long, who won this award. So I think that's great. Also Over by Lucky Day and Hurt Me So Good by Jasmine Sullivan. Really all I can say here is, hooray, I really like this song. Yeah, it was nice seeing Hours and Hours win because like you said, it was a very good song from Mooney Long, who is one of the Best New Artist nominees. So it was cool seeing her win this, um, considering the fact that she didn't win in the other category. And then coming over to Best R&B Song, we had Good Morning Gorgeous, Mary J. Blige, Hours and Hours, Hurt Me So Good, and then Please Don't Walk Away by P.J. Morton. The winner... Beyonce for Cuff It. Which was perfect. Cuff It is such a great song. Yes. All right. So that's all I have to say about R&B. Let's move over to the, I don't know, polar opposite, probably. I don't know. Is country the polar country opposite? Country feels like, well, I think country just feels like something that is apart from everything else here uh, for a couple of reasons. Some of them good, some of them not. But I mean, like, Country music has like two award shows all by itself. <laughs> so, all right. So first, let's turn for a moment to our friend Jarrett, who has this to say about the best country solo performance. Jarrett, good noise, wild pretty things. We're talking country, what is the category? Song? Sorry, let me check. Country solo performance so that means it covers the songwriting the production the song itself hypothetically is what performance means um so we've got kelsey ballerini i think i'm saying that right all right I i like the production of this song a lot that's a factor here um the song is very catchy she's a fine singer um, I actually kind of, yeah, that was a good song. Zach Bryan, something in the orange? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's To me, it's very generic, but it reminds me a little bit of music adjacent to this that I actually like, like Jason Molina, M-O-L-I-N-A, and that's Magnolia Electric Songs Ohio, or his two different projects. Uh, O-H-I-A. Um, but that's, you know, just me coming from pretentious indie background. Maureen Morris. 
uh, feels like a target capture collect capsule. <laughs> Sorry, I misspelled that in my notes. Capsule collection um, to me in a lot of ways. The production sounds weird to me, although I don't know. Maybe it's, there was something just didn't work well with the way I was listening to the song. And like, to me, this is like, I haven't looked into this, but either now or if in the future, AI is generating a country pop crossover hit. This is exactly what it would be like. The, <laughs> yeah, like the, the image for the single is wearing just a vest, like a button up vest with really ripped, really faded jeans leaning against a vintage, not, you know, like a vintage, long sedan you know it's just very calculated i feel like uh but you know i'm jaded uh <laughs> uh you know willie nelson cool very cool i i love to see lucinda williams get attention even though like she's not like a personal fave to me but i respect her i hate this Miranda Lambert song. And I think I kind of hate her, not as a person. I don't know anything about her as a person. Her music is just so like something that I would only think I would hear like at the mall. It's just, sorry if I'm hurting anyone's feelings, but it's just gross music to me. It's, it's music that offends me and how plastic it is. Uh, so in this category, again, it's not a genre that I have a lot of ownership with, but I, I would love to see Waxahachie get nominated or get attention in this category someday. You know, who cares about the Grammys? But in that context, and like this year, she did this project Planes, which is her and a couple of other artists that I'm not as familiar with, and they had a single called Problem With It, which I really liked a lot. But I don't really listen to this kind of music. All right. I just want to say I, I really don't know if I could disagree with Jarrett more. I, and yeah. we've disagreed a couple <laughs> of times in the past, but I don't know. I like, I like Miranda. I, I, feel like, I feel like this is the first episode of Atlanta. Instead of I like Flo Rida, I like Miranda Lambert. I like Florida. <laughs> yeah, you like Miranda Lambert and you like Maren Morris. I do. Um, I like both of them too. I don't know if I like these albums as well as I've liked albums of theirs in the past. Song but Or sorry. I don't know if I like these songs as much as I've liked songs of theirs in the past, but I don't think they were particularly bad. I mean, I, I got to say, first of all, the Willie Nelson song that won is probably the, the weakest in the entire category. I like I I thought so having never heard Zach Bryan before I'm like Jason Isbell called and he wanted a sound back <laughs> but you know once you get around that it's a good sound so that's fine I think that despite the nice things that Jarrett said about Kelsey Ballerini I don't really care for her um, she occupies this weird place for me in country where so ever since Taylor Swift like rocketed onto the scene and stole everybody's hearts. Who, I haven't heard of this person. You who never is, heard of this is person. Taylor Swift. Uh, and there's been like a bunch of people like Kelsey Ballerini, especially uh, women artists, who have been trying to kind of recapture that by doing this like country pop 
crossover thing where it's like really pop, but it's got enough country elements to be considered country. But their songs aren't very memorable generally. They're kind of weak songwriting. Um, and so that that's how I feel about Kelsey Ballerini is that whenever I think of her, I'm like, this is like the kind of thing that she's doing. And of course, of course, country will never get over Taylor Swift. They still want her back. But, you know, that's kind of where I, we are. Hey, I bet they think about her. They do think about her. So I I will say Kelsey Ballerini, by the way, there is a Spotify exclusive called it's a cover of I believe it's called Lost in Japan. I really like that song. I do have to say, I am going to be really sad when Willie Nelson eventually dies because he's such a fixture just like in music in general. And this song made me even more sad because I was, I've always felt like Willie Nelson will never die. He'll just run right off into the sunset one day, which is kind of what the song is about. But obviously that's not going to happen. So it made me a little sad. So the, the, the Marin Morris is probably not the Marin, best Marin Morris that Marin Morris has ever Marin Morris. However, <laughs> Why is in, that the, rich? in the song Circles Around This Town, she does name check the best Marin Morris, which is the song called My Church from her first album, which I really, really enjoyed. Uh, Miranda Lambert is pretty much a constant at this point. A, a, I, I, think, I think maybe maybe what Jared's trying to get at is that uh, this is probably just very mid-level, like easy listening. It's like motivational speaker pink. Like Yeah, Miranda Lambert is starting to kind of dangerously right. drift close to that territory. Now, here's what I'm going to say, though, about this category. And, and this, is, this is my, I think this is the most direct response to, to Jarrett, which I'm really glad you talked about this category because it was really great hearing, hearing your takes on this, Jarrett. But I looked up Waxahachie really fast and they were definitely viewed by a lot of people to have been snubbed a couple of years ago in the rock category. I don't think that you would ever find an act like Waxahachie in this category because this is definitely more of a traditional, I mean, this category is solo specifically, but I think you definitely have a lot more tradition in here. And the thing about tradition is it's very men forward. I yes. mean, you'll notice Casey Musgraves didn't get nominated for anything because she didn't put anything out this year, but she owns this category along with Miranda and probably Marin at this point. The fact that there were only two men nominated and one of them is Willie Nelson, I think is a win for country music. Yeah, my attitude towards Country Music Awards has always been if the women outnumber the men, it's a win. And if the there are any black people nominated, it's a like super win. <laughs> yeah, Mickey Guyton was uh, nominated, I believe, last year. I wish I liked her more. Um, but Little Nas X could have been nominated. All right, so let's also talk about Best Country Song. So uh, the nominees in this category were Maren Morris, Again, bro country Ugh. is apparently named Luke Combs, but he's just boy, uh, bro country to me. Oh, look, it's that Taylor Swift person you were talking about. I bet you think about me. Her return to country briefly. We have Miranda Lambert, If I Was a Cowboy, and Willie Nelson's I'll Love You Till the Day I Die. But none of those people won because another dude won. Hooray, till you can't. I really hate bro country. This I... one wasn't the worst 
See, like, I really don't like it when people say things like, I like all music except country, because I'm like, you have never listened to a woman sing country, have you? Because some of the best music is actually women singing country. But bro country gives country such a bad name um, because it's usually very traditional, like you said. It's usually pretty homophobic in some very awful ways. And it, frankly, it's not good musically. I think it's kind of lazy in terms of the way that it, um, in the way that most men performances go after it now there are exceptions you've mentioned jason isbell chris stapleton is another really great musician in this particular genre but i i just have to say like i just said that country really wants taylor swift back they mention her every single like country award show she gets mentioned um by somebody in terms of country um but i bet you think about me of course was a song that was written a while ago but just got released um, as part of re- uh, the re-record of Red that she did. It was one of the bonus tracks from The Vault. It's perfect. I really wish this song would have won. Again, I love petty songs. This is a very petty song by Taylor, and it is very country, and it features Chris Stapleton. So, I would like to close this segment by quoting from the country duo Maddie and Tay. Like a girl in a country song, how in the world did it go so wrong? Like, all we're looking for is looking good for you and your friends on the weekend, nothing more. We used to get a little respect. Now we're lucky if we even get to climb up in your truck, keep our mouths shut, and ride along down some old dirt road we don't even want to be on and be the girl in a country song. Yeah, baby, I ain't your tan leg, Juliet. Can I put on some real clothes now? (laughs) That was my... Country lot, music lyrics, lot of, dramatic reading. A lot of country music about having sex outside. I'll have I, I will give them that. All right. Speaking of, let's talk about our last best folks nominated. That's right. I'm talking about oh no. What a what a dirty trick of the alphabet. I'm talking about Harry Styles and Taylor Swift. The fact that you put them together. I didn't put them together. The alphabet put them together. In one segment. Woo! Is just, oh my God. And again, another petty story about Taylor. Do you remember? I don't remember what year it was. I, because I'm really bad at that. But do you remember the VMAs that one year where it was just after they had broken up and Harry yeah. Styles was performing with yeah. One Direction yeah. and she was in the crowd singing, singing along or singing to herself, shut the fuck up yeah. over and over again. You could very clearly see that that's what she was singing. I, Love it. I love everything about it. Style is clearly about him and it's one of her best songs. Like, However, this she was not nominated for Style. She was nominated for All Too Well 10-Minute Version. Which, of course, was the Jake. song that should have been nominated. Jake. Uh, Sam, real talk. Let's take a moment. Yep. I want right now an oral history uh-huh. of your experience with All Too Well and how mm-hmm. we got to the 10-Minute Version. It all started with We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, which I heard on the radio and was like, I don't like this song because it wasn't what I wanted from Taylor. Right. Well, Taylor this was never, her, she this never was her gives first you what you album. wanted. Right. Like real pop album. So it took probably about seven months before I was driving uh, on, a, on a road trip by myself and I decided to listen to it, to give it a whirl. And I really liked it. Right. The album. Right. Months later, I really heard All Too Well for the first time. You know, like you've heard a song, but you don't really hear a song. And as soon as I really heard the song, I was like, oh, this is the best song on Red. 
It's her best song of all time. Like not most too, people think that. Not too long later, she performed it at an awards ceremony. Do you remember that? She was I had that do long remember dress that. and she was sitting at a piano and she just oh, it yeah. was perfect. Yeah. 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 And then and so to to close this out, we always knew there was a 10 minute version. And then she released it. I gotta tell you though, the 10 minute version that's on the red album is not the best version of the 10 minute version of all too well. The 12 minute video version of the 10 minute version of all too well is the best one. So I'm going to disagree with you. And this is not the first disagreement we've had about all too well. It's longer than yours. Just don't forget. I I know this is not the first disagreement we've had about the song. Too too Taylor too furious. And I kind of want to talk about that in a bit because I think it's funny. But I like the Sad Girl Autumn version, which is the one that she does with um, Aaron Desner, where he's playing the piano. Yeah. I like that version of it better. Um, But yeah, All Too Well is just like, if you want somebody to like, no holds barred, get into their feelings. And there are so many good lines in that album. Like, it is the peak of her songwriting, that song. And I think Taylor Swift is a very good songwriter. But there are so many lines in that that just, like, cut you to the heart, especially if you've ever had a breakup where you still wanted to be with somebody and they didn't want to be with you, but they were, like, really weird about it and noncommittal. That is, like, the perfect thing. Now, we used to have a very serious disagreement about All Too Well. Do you remember? Yeah. Because I won. You do. Yeah. You remember your victories, don't you? It's important that you remember your victories. Because as I said earlier, when we were talking about DJ Khalid, be your own hype man. So I used to say that All Too Well was almost a perfect song, except for the part where she says, you keep my old scarf uh, from our very first date, which is, of course, one of the famous images from the song, because Jake Gyllenhaal, give her her scarf back. But hey. I, I, I like to live in a world where I think Maggie's holding on to it. Uh, yeah, that's true. But I said that that was bad songwriting because there's no way that she could possibly know that he had her scarf considering the fact that they don't talk anymore. And but, that was like a big part of that lyric. But you said... But Tessa, but Tessa, part of songwriting, and now that we know the, the songwriting history of All Too Well which is her going into a tour rehearsal session and just jamming out. Yeah. She was working through her feelings. And sometimes you got to do what you got to do to work through your feelings. And so she has to believe in order to move on, in order to heal, in order to grow, Tessa, she has to believe that he knows he made a mistake. And that's why he keeps her scarf. It doesn't matter in real life if he kept it or not. But she needs to believe that he did. She needs to believe that it mattered to him, their relationship. And I know, ask me how I know this. How do you know this? Because there's a song now called I Bet You Think About Me that she wrote during the same time. And if we'd known that the whole time, we would have known I was right, which I did. Actually, what really convinced me, you were able to finally articulate it that way, which is what convinced me. But what really convinced me and what caused you to be able to articulate that way is the 10 minute movie, like the, the video that goes along with it. So, you know. You know who the 10-minute version of All Too Well didn't convince? Who? The Grammy voters who gave Song of the Year to Bonnie Raitt, which is fine. But you know what's not fine? What? Oh, man. it it You know, people like Harry Styles don't normally win awards. 
I can't people believe like, he said that when Beyonce like, was sitting listen, right there. Listen, like, that's the thing. People like Harry Styles don't date women like Taylor Swift or Olivia Wilde. People like Harry Styles don't become memes with Chris Pine. People like Harry Styles. I don't know. I'm done with this bit. The bottom line is Harry Styles won album of the year for Harry's house, which is fine. I actually like the album. I said it was fine. Like I, I would have. De- I agree with his nomination. His last album was better. I agree with the nomination. I yes. like this album. I think Harry Styles is actually a very good musician and much better than he had any right to be coming out of One Direction. I'm sorry, One Direction stands. I just don't. I just don't. But he was clearly the talent in that group. I'm right. going to get hate mail about this. Anyway, Why are you doing the thing this? that I don't like is that one, Beyonce should have won. This album was not as good as Beyonce's album. Two, just that award speech and the tone deafness of it, to say that while Beyonce is sitting right there. Right. What he means, of course, is he's talking about the way in which he bend, he pendergens, he gender bends um, in his performances and I've, I've heard tell it's from, he's from a small town too. He's from a small town. Yeah. Like, okay. Anyway, like there's never been a musician from a small town that's won awards. Classically never. Classically never. But like, I don't like how the discourse then became about how he's queer baiting because a person can't queer bait people. Only media can queer bait. Um, people live their own lives, but that's not, that's not the issue I have with his statement. <laughs> All right. So we did it. We did a whole we Grammys did it. episode. We did a Grammys. Good for us. Final thoughts? This was an interesting exercise, and I really like that playlist that you made. I'm going to listen to it many times, I think, over the next few weeks, even though it's giant, so I'll probably listen to it in fragments. I We've never done something like this before, and honestly, it's been a, a minute since I've really paid attention to the Grammys beyond kind of a cursory, like, who's nominated, who won? So this was a good exercise. I'm excited to do this again this year. Maybe this will help me combat my uh, FOMO out of aging out of the target demographic for music. <laughs> yep. And and just remember, the Grammys are best watched the same way Adele and Lizzo watched them. Trashed. Tessa, <laughs> next time, Matt's going to join us to talk about the February edition of the Mumble 2023 Reading Challenge Book Yay, Club. Book Club time. In the meantime, where can people find you, Tessa? People can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Storygraph at The By Paradox. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nanny Ox Book Club, where my friend Nigel and I are reading through all of Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels. You can find that on Twitter at Nanny's Book Club and on Instagram at Nanny Ox Book Club. You can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Morris 9 and on Letterboxd and Storygraph at Melody Valentine. You can find writing from Tessa and myself on moviejohn.com. That's moviejawn.com. We'd like to know your thoughts on the music we talked about today or anything you'd like for us to talk about on future episodes. You can find us on Twitter at Monkey Backlog, and you can also join our Discord community, the link to which is in the notes for this episode. Please take a moment to rate or review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Get that monkey off your back.